are a cast iron brains, a podcast with some questions about hate. I was watching a live stream of the volcano erupting in Iceland today. There was no audio feed, just a single shot of the glowing orange goo sloshing up from underground and splashing into bright, thin fingers, slowly inching downhill. It's not too far from Reykjavik, in and around which almost two-thirds of all Icelanders live. Though the city isn't in any danger, I briefly imagined a much larger eruption, the camera suddenly lifting up into overhead drone mode, pulling back for a wider shot of the surrounding mountains. The little rivulets of lava now churning red rivers, the wispy tendrils of smoke that swirled at the whim of the evening breeze now an expanding cloud of ash, a force of its own, pushing the wind itself out of its way, on down the mountain and over the inhabited lands around the city. This was my imagination, and not a 1997 blockbuster film starring either Pierce Brosnan or Tommy Lee Jones, so a quarter million people around Reykjavik were not in any danger. But I wondered... If the volcano got bigger, if it began to overtake the city, if I could reach out and turn on the audio feed as this unstoppable natural force of destruction returned a towering outpost of human achievement to its bare chemical elements, if I could somehow turn up the volume and listen, what would it be saying as it destroyed and destroyed and destroyed? As it took the imperfect creations and the imperfect lives and their imperfect potential futures and reduced them back to the ash and molten clay from which they had spent eon after eon complexifying away from, away from chaos, away from the nothingness of pre-creation, returned to the annihilated state in an instant. If I could hear the fire, what would it say? And if it spoke words of hate, would I feel any better? Would I understand any more? Would the city, now snaking out to sea, now floating into the atmosphere... Would the obliterated city still stand if only I could hear the earth speak its hatred? My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How you doing, Lori? I'm all right. Lori's all right. Abe, today is Monday, March 22nd, 2021. The third day of spring. Life springs anew, Abe. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> chipper about it. How about you? <laughs> Wasn't too bad. I think it was a little chilly on the first day of spring. We've had nice weather up until spring started. I had um, to explain to a client this week that... The first day of spring is not a meteorological thing. It's not like about the weather. It's literally the equidistant oh, that spot goofy thing? between yeah. the darkest and the lightest day of the year. She was mad uh. that it was chilly in spring. And I was like, it's <laughs> spring in Maine, too. Like, it's spring. It All just like, means what, that it's going to get lighter <laughs> right. for the rest of the time till summer. You didn't have to actually explain that to a grown adult human being. I had to explain that to an being. adult, a grown adult person. <laughs> Word association, spring, warmer weather. Everybody knows this. Did she break down in tears? Worried no, that she'd been she lied to her whole life? She was like, I don't know how I feel about it being the first day of spring. This was on Friday into Saturday. And I was like, 
you don't get to feel a way about that. It just is the first day of spring. She was like, but who gets to say? Because it's not warm. Like, <laughs> the the earth rotation gets to say what Man. that is. It's literal equinox. That's what it means. Isn't there that squirrel or whatever it is? Yes, there's a squirrel. If there's yes. a, a longer winter. Uh, you know, maybe more about the squirrel. claims a longer winter. That's bullshit. But the... Perhaps it's not an actual squirrel. Whatever it is, they do a big thing and it sees its shadow or it does not. You know? Hey, we are not an Atlanta-centric podcast, but... Atlanta seems to keep coming up in the news that we're talking about here in 2021 for some reason or another. Indeed. You don't have anything to do with that, do you? No. What are you, what are you suggesting? Oh, what I, just, just. He's creating content. Thank you, Abe. <laughs> there's, uh, there's a lot going on around Atlanta lately. That is true. I mean, and it's usually not good. It's an otherwise great city, but yeah, occasionally bad things happen. Here. If you were describing uh, your fine city, Abe, how long of a list would you have to make before you started talking about the thriving rub and tug industry in Atlanta? <laughs> I'm not sure, but I would definitely, I would definitely go through volleyball matches. So vo- <laughs> volleyball somewhere, top ten. That's right. And then somewhere, certainly in the top 100 things of the reasons, the things that you love about your fair city. Right. And also, I would argue uh, that massage parlors are not uniquely Atlanta. No, they're not uniquely uh, an Atlanta feature. But but where are they in Atlanta? You know, everywhere, apparently. I mean, outside the city, (laughs) inside the city, south of the city. It seems like uh, probably more spas than Waffle Houses. What are we, not quite a week removed from this thing that happened? It was Tuesday night. Yeah, it was was Tuesday night last week. And it's hard for me to talk about this in any way that is not talking about how it was framed by the media in the immediate aftermath. And that is, I would say that that is a failing of mine, that that that's a failure of mine. You can't see nodding on the radio. In podcasts, but I'm nodding. <laughs> Except that the way that it was framed was so immediately and profoundly wrong, almost well, almost even as it was still unfolding, uh, and then and then also as the week unfolded. Uh, do Do you think it was wrong in the immediate aftermath? No, in the right? immediate because, aftermath, it was just because, fact. Right, because basically all you had was. There was a mass casualty event and multiple massage parlors of Asian owned, right? So basically, the, the connection to all of the. It, so I, the, I didn't go through and check the Twitter feeds of all of the most obnoxious people on the platform to find how soon into this tragedy we started talking about how this was probably an anti Asian biased hate crime. But it was not. It was not before the night was over, right? But I mean, again, what information was available early? Because I'm not sure when the when law enforcement relayed the motivations according to the shooter, right? So maybe it was like the next day, like that Wednesday. But there was like a 24 hour information vacuum as far as motivation. So in the 
There was current... no information vacuum. There just wasn't any yet information, right? Right. It and that's that information so... vacuum. Yeah, but the press goes, okay, with no information, what can we figure what out? We... Right. Oh, what do they we were know? All no, owned by they Asians. don't. So, but you don't. That's not how it's supposed to work. You're not supposed to fill in the information vacuum with a bunch of bullshit. You're supposed to let the information vacuum be until facts are available to you. Right, but that's not how vacuums work. Isn't that the whole thing? Nature abhors a vacuum? Right. Like Yes, but you're not. So. The, the point is that there was no such thing as an information no, but, uh, vacuum 15 years ago, okay? Right. It was, it was just that we don't have that information. There w so when I say there was an information vacuum, what has created the information vacuum is that there are a billion people uh, with the magic Twitter machines in their pockets who desperately want to have answers to things that are unanswerable, right? It's, right. It's ha it's this constant access to the information that we have that has created an environment that allows for things like information vacuums to even exist to then immediately be filled with total bullshit. Right. It's it's should natural. We, should to we back up a minute and explain right. what happened, yeah. or do, do we just assume that everybody I, knows what happened? Right. Because since we're like a week into this, I would imagine everybody knows. But yeah, it would I guess uh, help for the record to explain what happened. Young man, 21 years old, I believe, whose name I would ordinarily say, let's not speak his name. Uh, but in this particular instance, like this isn't somebody who went out trying. This isn't like the he's not a terrorist who went out trying to make a name for himself. He's not the shithead in South Carolina who was trying to start a race war. He's not the shithead in New Zealand who was trying to start a war against Islam. He's not the shithead in Norway who was trying to start a race war between Islam and the West. He's just some fucking moron, 21-year-old. So his name was Robert Aaron Long, I believe. Is, is this uh, customary? I mean, this is totally uh, unrelated to anything, but they're still doing the, the, three names. the middle name. Yeah, the three names yeah. thing. Don't want to get the wrong Bobby Long fingered for this particular so. crime, also, I guess. So you want to be as so for specific all we know, as possible. They that. Yeah. 21-year-old Robert Aaron Long went to two different massage parlors, one north of the city and then one closer to your neck of the woods, I believe. Well, actually, two it, it, close to my neck of the woods. Basically, there were three, because he went across the street in around where I live. Like, right. so there were, yeah, so there are like three overall. So one a little bit north of the city, two in your neighborhood. Uh, he killed eight people. He uh, shot up three different massage parlors in the Atlanta area. He then got on the highway apparently to drive to Florida where he wanted to find a porn production studio and shoot that up or some something related to the porn business because I know that they make a lot of pornography, uh, of course, in California, Southern California, but they also apparently there's a thriving porn industry in Florida, I we suppose. We knew that from that documentary. Yes. I suppose he knew that as well and was apparently on the way to Florida when the police found him going down the highway at a high speed because his parents had identified him from the first security camera footage that had been released to the public. So his parents uh, ratted him out to the police appropriately enough, and they were able to stop him and apprehend him basically without incident as he was making his way down to Florida. And I, I don't know if this has been corrected or not, but they used the, the Find My iPhone feature to... to, nice. to Locate him. Oh, good. So 
So I wouldn't, cause I, I mean, because if it was just off of the, oh, that's our son, like they wouldn't know, he could be anywhere unless he told them, oh, I'm going to go down to South Florida to this production company. Right. Uh, long story short, we have eight dead. We have one shooter apprehended and we have a whole world of takes uh, to go around about what's happened. There are any number of different angles about this story that ended up getting on my nerves. And I should say off the top, before we delve into this any further, as we start to talk about the specific things that bothered me and and what feel like ultimately distractions, what bothers me most about these distractions is the extent to which it's obvious to me that this is just a coping mechanism for stupid humans to try to come to terms with incomprehensible human violence, that in a very backwards way, this is what it looks like to be desensitized to violence, is that you see what should be unspeakable human tragedy, which is this 21-year-old idiot going and buying a gun so that he can shoot up people at their place of work and kill as many people as possible and just annihilate lives because he thinks that it's his job essentially to do that. That sort of unspeakable human tragedy, we require some bizarre distance from it. It's like we need to be told that it's comprehensible. We need to be told that it has an explanation in order for it to be acceptable to talk about. And that's what it means to be desensitized to violence. Don't I don't ever want to hear about how the Matrix made people feel desensitized to violence, how shooting up, shoot them up video games, Call of Duty or whatever, uh, violent video games or, or, or movies makes people desensitized to violence. Just consuming the news, just trying to make sense of the world desensitizes people to violence. You take what should be a moment of pure mourning and lamenting over human nature and you turn it into an attempt to suss out the underlying motivations as though we can somehow control for it, as though we can somehow be in charge of it. And it it just screams to me that this is a this is what it looks like when humans don't actually want to deal with the problem, when they would rather look away, they would rather look to something else than to try to understand it or to, or to not even to try to understand it, than to just confront it and sit with it and and just deal with it as it is rather than how they hope that it that it ought to be. Well, let me ask you something. What what does that look like? What would be the adult thing or the adult way to process I don't mean adu- I don't, so now you're making me sound like I'm I'm No, no uh, I'm upset no, about the maturity no, level of the Twitter Never mind the which, adult part of my statement like but what would be the the way that a healthy way to process this incomprehensible you know just like just people going about their day getting killed and that's that and the person admits to you know one thing we're kind of chatting back and forth i was saying in this case terrible things happen the person was caught without incident they admitted to the actual uh killings so it's basically an open and shut uh, case but then there are all of these feelings people have about how tragic and terrible it is so it can't it, you can't just let it be that, right? You can. That's that's what it looks like. What it looks like so what, is just, just accepting what? that it's awful, right? It's if you it, it, to blow it up to absurd proportions, as my brain likes to do. 
what does 9-11 look like if we'd had a more, to use your phrasing from a moment ago, a more mature reaction to the towers falling down, right? If instead of insisting on going to war for 20 years uh, in countries that had nothing to do with the attack on the United States, what would it look like? It would, I don't know, but it would look a lot better than endless war in Afghanistan and a, de- and a fully destabilized Iraq, Right, like I, I don't know what in the, the last week right. should have looked like, but I do know that it should not have looked like the conversation that ended up happening, especially when we have presented to us on a platter, like you're saying, this is open and shut. He not only explained, not only, and that's the other thing is you don't have to look for the secret motivations here. One of the oldest things that you and I that I can remember us ever talking about is. People, I don't know if it was in your friend group or, or if it was just stuff that we saw in the media, but people always looking for the secret underlying racism in every action that's taking place, right? Right. So right. if if you're out with friends and you get bad service at the Taco Bell or whatever. Perhaps because, yeah, some sort of racial animus or some whatever. Right. But the weird human motivation for joking about the fact that the kid behind the counter at Taco Bell was shitty to you because you were a bunch of black and Indian people is that that that's like a tribal thing. Right. It's it's unifying in a way to be sitting in your buddy's car talking about the fact that that racist asshole behind the Taco Bell counter was a piece of shit. Like it's that weird it's that weird, stupid tribal instinct that even if you know that it's absurd for you to say that the reason that I got shitty service wasn't because I was uh, ignoring the person behind the counter and discounting their humanity and being a selfish prick myself, but right. because that person is a racist, right? <laughs> like, right. It's, it's, it's complimentary to yourself to be able to come up with that way of explaining the world. Right. And, and there's just, I don't know how I got off on the Taco Bell uh, racism <laughs> tangent. Because right. they're Asian. <laughs> Right. My, my, I guess my question is, and I'll give an example. Uh, does it really, I was just kind of thinking about this. Does it really matter if people sometimes overstate that part? Or, you know, like if they say that this was linked to Asian hate, even though the evidence is lacking, you know, so far? Because at the end of the day, this person will be prosecuted. They'll, they're going to go to jail for the rest of their life. And nothing will change. There are all these other incidents where there there is evidence that it's motivated by hate against Asian people because of the virus or whatever other nonsense that they're trying to link it to. But in this case, there was not. But this is like the most horrific of those of the examples in over the past year. So they're like, let's make this be a galvanizing event for a larger point that they're trying to make. And does it? Re- I mean, I know you would. You're big on let's do it the right way, but does it really matter at the end of the day whether or not? Yes, the truth matters. Because yes. okay, so just to give As, you the example that I was going to say, so when the uh, the Pulse nightclub shoot, shooting happened, there was some Muslim terrorist type. He shot up a bunch of people at this gay nightclub. Initially, the information was processed as as a hate crime against the LBGT community. After looking into it and people moving on to you know 300 other mass shootings. They looked into it, and it turns out that he wasn't even particularly aware that it was a gay nightclub. He was just trying to find any nightclub to shoot at. You know, so like he did he have walked hate. Up, he walked up to the security guard outside of the Pulse nightclub before he started shooting and said, hey, uh, where are all the girls? 
Oh, really? Is that what he? That was a question that he asked the security guard. Right. So he wanted to like kill. But yeah. So so. But the way that that news cycle, that story was processed, turned out. I mean, at the time, people were operating under the assumption it wasn't disproven at the time. So I guess there's more reason for why they did that. But looking back at it, did it really make that big of a difference? Like if people. I don't know. It, it, gave, it, gave, it gave stupid, gross cover to Donald Trump at the Republican National Convention later that summer to talk about how we were going to make sure that these radical Islamists who hate our beloved LGBTQ people won't come into this country and, and shoot us up because they hate our freedoms, right? It right. gave Trump stupid rhetorical cover for that sort of nonsense. Right. So yeah, I do think maybe that wasn't the best thing, that that was an unchecked it matters if they're trying to try him for a hate crime. That matters. Right. But I think there is an argument lose. that they can build for hate crime around like misogyny or whatever. Because right. so, that's, so that's where that's right. that's my answer to your question is right. that the reason that it matters is because so Dylan Roof, for example, in South Carolina came out and said why he did the thing that he did. He still believes sitting in prison, in federal prison, I believe, he still believes that he did the right thing, that he killed those people to instigate a race war, and the only failing there is that it didn't quite work, that, <laughs> that the, there weren't more of him who went out right. and shot up more churches, and that the black people didn't take up arms in defense of themselves, and that we didn't have a second civil war, right? That's right. what he wanted to have happen, right? And it's important to, to, to understand that, and all of the motivations are right there on the plate in front of you, and you can you can learn from that to, to the extent that anything can be learned from it. And the same is true here, which is that this fucking asshole has given us all of his motivations. He's served them up right on a plate. He's told us exactly why he did this. People don't often try to hide these sorts of things. Right. When you're taking this sort of extreme action, this sort of incalculable violence against other humans, you're not generally too worried about people finding out what was actually going on inside your head. You've done the worst possible thing that right. a human being can do to another person. It right. doesn't matter why you did it, right? And honestly, there really and, is... And it doesn't matter so much that you shouldn't even hide it why right. you so did it. There, there, honestly, I mean, I'm not a lawyer here in Georgia, uh, but I I don't think there's actually any more prison time he can possibly get. He's maxed out at eight murders, you know? So, like, adding the hate crime will just be, like, for data purposes at this point. It's not going to... I mean, what are they going to do? Like, a, a ninth life sentence? Like, there's nothing really more that can be added to the sentencing. But as far as motivations, you're right. I mean, if the person is saying it wasn't racially based, and I do wonder if the adult film industry was in Atlanta and his favorite massage parlors were in Florida, if basically if the sequence was backwards and he was caught killing people at some porn production place and it wasn't, you know, uh, Asian focused. Right. If he and his family had recently moved down to Florida and he right, found himself that. in the vicinity of this porn production outfit that had tempted him in the past. Right. And he had gone there instead of to the Asian massage parlors right. and, where he'd gotten yeah. the rub and tug a it's bunch of times. It's clearly about sex work. Right. right. But that, like, yeah, so, so, like, so he's given us a conversation to have about all of those things. And right. instead, we're going to talk about his underlying anti-Asian racism, or but, even worse, to pull back into full 
lunatic academic analysis mode and to start talking about how this is about a systemic problem of structural racism that has forced generations of Asian immigrants into sex work, which, sure, that's an interesting conversation to have that doesn't right. have anything to do right. with the annihilation of human life, that doesn't right. have anything to do with actually understanding what happened here and right. actually understanding how to prevent it, right? Those are weird academic but, sociological questions that functionally don't have answers that are just interesting fields of study for people to jerk off about in in uh, sociology PhD papers right that they don't it doesn't actually have any impact on any living human being in terms of implementing actual change in the world right. whereas having a conversation about the purity culture in evangelical Christian Christianity, having a conversation about what that does to the psyche of generation after generation of men raised in this country, uh, that's an interesting conversation to have. Right. That's something that, that could actually have an impact on people. Right. But my, my thinking on this is the main reason why it was covered the way it, it it was for the past week is the timing. Like, you know, the example that I gave, if it was done backwards, it'd be different, the sequence. Uh, and also if this happened five years ago, if this happened in any other period where there wasn't this, basically in the news cycle, it wasn't really mentioned a lot, but you would always hear about these incidents of some random guy, and it's not limited to white people, by the way. There's, like, there's black people in New York or Hispanic types out West just beating the shit out of some old Asian adjacent person and in you some want to cases talk about an, an information vacuum this thing this this event almost like is is it's like it was born out of some primordial ooze from the the conversation in the zeitgeist that was only recently happening right so there's not a lot going on in terms of a national news cycle but if you could point to something there had been more talk leading up to this event that happened last week about anti-Asian hate crime and, and right. bias crime against Asians. And it was like this thing was designed in a lab to become this nexus of conversation. I know what you're saying, that it's natural for this right. to have been the course that it took, but it doesn't make it good and it doesn't make it doesn't make it okay. And it's the it's the reflexive, oh I know what this is stuff that drives me nuts. It's right. the there's a tweet and you don't like to point to one tweet, obviously, but on on the next day, on March 17th, someone posted a tweet that ended up, as of now, it has 342,000 likes. It's been retweeted 75,000 times, and it, it's, it's made its way off the platform. The way that really viral tweets do, they become screenshots that make their way to Facebook right. for the most right. annoying person on your Facebook feed to also share. <laughs> um so this tweet just says, and I'll put it in the show notes, and it says, he didn't have a, quote, sexual addiction. He had a racist, sexualized fantasies about dominating Asian women. In other words, he had fantasies of white supremacy and acted on them. Name it. So she's basically saying, uh, call this what it is. It's white supremacy. Don't let anybody else set the terms of this conversation. Just call it what it is. And I don't know how harmful that is, right? It's hard to point to actual material harm that is done from that. But I know it's not true, right? right. I, I know that there's nothing Based in on the, the available information, it's not true. Right, based on all of the available information. And, and you know that, it's, uh, that, that it won't be true, that right. in the long run, it's not going to be the case that, that except in the most 
galaxy-brained academic way of thinking about this is this anything about—in a way that anyone in the real world thinks of what white supremacy is, not in terms of uh, Ibram X. Kendi, everything is racism or it's anti-racism, not in terms of the woke crowd, but in terms of the way that 95% of humanity understands this. This wasn't actually about racism, but but the moment that it becomes in the culture acceptable to call it that, then it becomes only about racism. Then right. it becomes the easiest way into this conversation is to just talk about how all this is is an expression of white supremacy. And what, you think it's just an accident that he went out and he killed six Asian women? You think that's just a mistake that he made? When well, there were other, when there's a strip club right next door, he could have gone to the strip club strip instead. Clubs, yeah. yeah. But no, it wasn't about strip clubs. Right. It was it about was, him yeah. right. hating himself for having given into the temptation of the rub and tug place who knows how many times over the last three years. That and I guess what, consuming porn at home, I guess the, the, the targets in Florida, it wasn't just the massage stuff. I want to play a clip okay. from a movie because as usual, <laughs> everything uh, in this world can be understood – a little bit better if you've watched movies that Laurie and I have watched a bunch of times, including uh, from the fine people at Sherwood Pictures. Yes. Oh, my God. It's the best. Let's just, instead of doing the podcast, just play the movie. <laughs> All right. So this video is not perfect. I didn't do the upload. Somebody else did. but And I doubt that I will play the whole thing. So I'll have to narrate over top of it a little bit. But... That'll this, make it even. We should do the director's track. This is, is this from the, the religious the thing? Like yes. God is not this dead is and from, things like that? No, no, no. God's not dead's not Sherwood Films. How dare okay. you? <laughs> this is from that the piece of shit. Sherwood Films, which I believe, where are they from? Uh, Albany? Uh, Albany, yeah. Uh, Albany, Georgia. Oh, our Albany, not the New York one. Yes. And this is uh, the movie Fireproof starring... Uh, the Growing Pains 80s sitcom hero, Kirk Cameron. All right. So Kirk is sitting in front of his computer here, and a pop-up <gasps> pops up, and it's a sexy lady. He's, he's interested. Want to see? It says click here. Want to see? Click he, here. He's the one asshole that's falling for those things? He's going to click it. Oh, he shouldn't. Oh, he shouldn't. Oh, finger raised. Oh my raised. God, is he, he really going to click it. it? Oh, oh, this guy's got total exposure. I mean, how did he know who's behind them? Like, he's not even securing the uh, perimeter. <laughs> he's got his back to the it's door a big, like nice, an idiot. Big open floor plan. He has this back too. <laughs> now he's confused. Uh oh. And and disappointed. <laughs> There's a mutiny in my pants. What should I do? <laughs> Meanwhile, he was looking at boats. Before well, this guy ha- must have some addiction. This is daylight. It's not even nighttime. This guy's already. <laughs> Abe, don't be so judgmental. He said, "Why is this so hard?" He was not referring to his cock, but he was not not referring to his cock. He's sitting on a plaid sofa now. Did he just pick up a Bible? He picked that up. Seems inappropriate. He picked up. The Love Dare book. Oh, oh yeah. Nice penmanship. No, he's, listen, he's talking about parasites. You are your partner and sucks the life out of your marriage. They're usually in the form of addictions like gambling, drugs, or pornography. 
They promise pleasure, but grow like a disease and consume more and more of your thoughts, time, and money. They steal away your loyalty and heart from those you love. Marriages rarely survive if parasites are present. If you love your wife, you must destroy any addiction that has your heart. If you don't, it will destroy you. So he's looking at the computer like he realized something. Like he, like he knows the girl. Oh no. Straight out of the wall. <laughs> he's gonna break a baseball bat. Okay, Lord, no more addictions. <laughs> He destroyed the monitor, which is not what the computer is. Uh-oh. See, this guy is uh, no, no situational awareness. Look around. Aluminum? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. It's important to note that he broke the monitor. When he didn't have to. Like, he could have just broken the computer part of the computer right. and plugged the monitor into a new porn-free computer. Right. I don't want to overstate the importance of that, of that particular clip, but... <laughs> Go on. It's impossible to do. It's the most important clip. But it's not an exaggeration to say that these people think that their immortal souls are on the line every time they get a boner that they didn't properly vet before the Lord, right? right? This is a culture that tells them that lusting after a woman, as in seeing someone by a total accident of life and circumstance, that a, an attractive woman passes before your eyes, right. that if you lust after her in your mind or in your heart, that is the same as acting on that lust and doing the physical thing that is such an awful sin before God and, and to your community and to your soul. This is a culture that has young men and women, after they've uh, come of age in a pubescent sense, wear purity rings. They, they promise that they're right. never going to uh, participate in sexual touch or physical touch with the opposite sex until they get to marriage, until they've been sworn before the Lord in everlasting matrimony, that, that that is the only use for your sexual urges, is that the only place it's allowed to go is the place that God destined, which is your partner's vagina, and that right. anywhere else is completely unacceptable, right? right? That's the sort of insane thing that is going through this idiot's head every time he leaves the rub and tug place. As the guilt sets in, he starts berating and hating himself. For having given in. Isn't that how you quit smoking? Yeah, it's, a, it's an effective way. That didn't involve any of the weird mystical God stuff. Right. I mean, I would understand your point about this guy hating himself and blah, blah, blah. But if he hated himself so much, I mean, the worst possible outcome would be just for him to kill himself. Which I, you No, know, you're not allowed to do that. Right. So that's off the table. Like his failure, which is just... it. An imagined failure? Just so when I say the things that I just said, I'm right. not making excuses no, no, for his follow, behavior. Right, but I'm trying to follow his... So what in his head, what do you think he's... Like, if I... Because he must also know, I don't care how delusional he is, him purging, quote-unquote, 
these massage service people, the or massage, even the, the film massage place. parlors, the massage parlors, and the porn production companies. Yeah, those are those are the tools of Satan. Right. In this but, in this understanding, but right? there are these are not countless of them. Right, there are an untold number of these locations. Right, so right, he didn't go what, to those though. He got jerked no, no, off no, in the I'm ones saying, that he got but, but, jerked but, off in. But he, whatever service I'm that they... I'm not saying that there's a rational or a logical thing going on here, right? Right. I, I'm saying that this is a person broken by the way that he was raised and by a failure of imagination to imagine that uh, any other life would be an acceptable one right. on his part, right? And that he then did something that is completely unacceptable to do. But it doesn't have anything to do with hating Asian women or hating Asians, right? It doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with Donald Trump calling it the Kung Flu for the last year. And to, right. and to make that assessment of the, of the situation that's before you is to just get to, to deeply misunderstand what's happening in the world to no good effect. Right. I, I do agree that it's, it's not likely those things, uh, but his stated reasons do not to me, make any sense. I still do not understand the connection between the two. I understand addiction to You don't have to, to understand them. Do you understand why Dylan Roof did the things that he yeah, did? Yeah, I mean, even... yeah, the stupid little race war that like every one of these assholes have been doing for the last 30 years. I don't even know how that would work, by the way, just a sidebar, but... Right, you don't, you don't actually understand it, right? It doesn't, it doesn't actually make logical sense that Dylan Roof is going to shoot up a prayer group of old black ladies in South Carolina, and all of a sudden we're going to have race war, and we're going to like kick everybody back to Africa or something, and we're going to have a white ethno state here. That doesn't track logically any more than it tracks logically for this kid to right. shoot up a Asian massage parlor in the hopes of eliminating temptation uh, so that he can go about his life without ever getting an illicit boner again, right? It doesn't make any fucking sense. But 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 they're not related. I mean, I mean, first of all, the other one is okay. Let me do a heinous, a race-based hate crime against these black people. Hopefully, there's a few more of me out there who will copycat. It will create this moral panic where people get very angry at white supremacy and, you're and somebody overreacts. Makes, and, you're, what you're telling me right now is that that makes more sense to you? This, I mean, there's some, there's absolutely no logic to what, I have a sex addiction, you have to die. And and he 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 doesn't he no. So the sex so you can't you can't think of it in terms of I have a sex addiction, right? That's right. what he says because that's what he's been told. But right. what he's what he's acting out is the shame. It's just the shame. And it's it's a, it's a shame that he can't control. It's a shame that's been built into him uh, since he was a little 6-year-old boy probably, if not and, before then. And him killing these people would relieve some of that shame? No, it, it doesn't actually relieve it. Of course not. It's not an acceptable outcome. It's it's not a logical progression of his thinking to get from A to Z and where A is don't have bad boners and Z is shoot up the rub and tug. But I don't see how that's any different from going from A to Z for Dylan Roof. I don't... Or the, the jihadists. It's the same thing. Right. I don't it's see how it's any different. It's just crazy people. Right, but at least, again, those people are trying to create a, a ruckus and to incite more violence, right? I'm going to attack, you know, uh, a Jewish place and I'm Muslim and hopefully there's going to be a, a religious war or I'm going to attack black people and I'm white and maybe a race war. This is, I have but a those sexual are, addiction. Those are equally absurd outcomes. That's, That's not also, a- they didn't get there immediately. They found buddies that have a like way of thinking. Right. 
But ultimately, if you're a person who's going to shoot up a bunch of people, you're just a crazy person. Right. The best example might be the guy in Colorado with the Batman movie. Well, those are the Las Vegas one. I mean, I think that guy was actually or crazy, right? It's yeah. just crazy yeah. people. Right. Because, I mean, it, to me, they, it would they make can th- have their reasons to them, but right. there's no good reason because they're You're crazy. right. There's, there's no good reason. And I think, in my mind, him saying sexual he might, a sex, sex addiction, to me, you might as well just say out of spite. I did it for spite. No, because the, it doesn't you, make the any reason sense. he's even saying that, too, is because people ask questions. Right. And if, some, if you do something stupid and someone say, says, why did you do that, you'll make something up. He did it because he fucking hated himself because he couldn't stop himself from going and getting jerked off by the ladies at the rub and tug. And most people are not self-aware enough to say, because I hate myself. He had a weird way of showing hating himself, though, by killing other people. I agree. It's not a healthy way to explain how to hate yourself. I hated myself, and so I quit smoking. That was a healthy reaction to self-hatred. Hating myself and then going and shooting up the gas station that sold me the cigarettes over and over again would not be a healthy way of reacting right. to it. Right. And But I, I'm fortunate that the chemicals in my fucking brain aren't fucked up in the way that his are, I guess. I, I, would I don't know arg- how else to explain it. Right. I would buy the argument that he's giving if that he closed the loop and killed himself. I'm not asking you to buy himself. the argument, right? right? right. So that's, what, that's all I'm saying, right. is that I'm not asking you to buy any argument about his uh, so-called rationale right. in the same way that I ask that everybody who says this is an Asian-based hate crime and a function of white supremacy, it doesn't have any better of an explanation than this stupid little cocksucker does. Like that that's all that's all it comes down to for me, which right. is that if trying to assign motivation to this from the outside and using the zeitgeist of the current moment to do it is no better than him saying I was trying to eliminate temptation so that I could live a more devout Christian life, right? It's completely fucking bonkers to say that, but it's no better to assign some other nonsensical uh, uh, motivation to it. Now I remember what I forgot earlier. Um, The the one thing, like the the, uh, push to make this into like, uh, this is all further proof of white supremacy and this and that. Uh, Earlier I was saying that you know, massage parlors are not uniquely an Atlanta thing. Uh, the attacks against Asians or anyone that resembles someone who may be Asian uh, is not a uniquely white person as perpetrator no, thing, right? But the way it's being framed in this case is that th- these attacks are being perpetrated and the through line... In, at least in many cases, is is white supremacy or what have you, and there's no evidence to support that. This seems to be a lot of people. I mean, this is not even a good example at all because it's not it's not that. But all of the examples over the last year, it has been a bunch of different types of people, usually men, though that seems to be the one common denominator. Of course, uh, attacking just anybody in to varying degrees. Sometimes they'll spit on them or they'll say kung flu or whatever. Or sometimes they'll beat them and and sometimes they'll die. But the way that it's being framed in this example, in a story that there's no evidence to support it, is to me odd how they would say, oh, this is white supremacy. It's like this is not a uniquely a white thing. But when you say they are saying that, who is they? Well, I mean, a lot of the the, um, AAPI organizers in in Georgia, a lot of the opinion— But, but like, you're not talking 
about politicians no, or reporters. No, we are. Reporters. We're talking about politicians. Right, this is, I mean, this is this is kind of being like a uh, a consensus opinion that not only was this a, a, a race-based prejudice attack, like a hate crime based on race, but also this lends credence to white supremacy ideology. And to me, like that, I haven't seen anything that supports that, but that's... I mean, basically, it's like this is what they're going to go with now, uh, and and the further we go p- beyond it, it'll just be accepted as 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 fact. Uh, and you know, maybe the 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 barn is out of the horse, as it were, uh, and and there's not, not a, a way to undo that. I know it's the other way around, but it's the barn oh, out of the horse. That was good. <laughs> and what's what what makes it even worse is that you have the contrarians who speak up in our annoying way, and I, I'm in this moment talking about myself and also whoever else on Twitter is is trying to say, slow down on the white supremacy talk. There's not a lot of evidence for that. Because then it becomes, it, it immediately can be then turned around into, oh, what's your fucking problem? Like you now you want to try to police how I'm talking about this thing rather than admit or, or understand this in terms of white supremacy well that's just more fucking white supremacy isn't it? right and that, uh, that's a good point uh, on that score do you think and because my recommendation to people who are like ah, i don't see it is just let the moment pass and when the things settle in like two weeks or three weeks that's what i keep saying then say by the way Chill. i mean you know emotions were fraught in the moment but uh now that uh cooler heads are now prevailing this was actually not evidence of that because if you especially if you're white if you're trying to make the right point uh it's going to be oh look at this fucking asshole any opportunity to get out of the race talk you know even though there's no evidence to support it it's right as though somehow what i'm as though somehow my reaction to this is some sort of anti anti anti-racist grift right as though i'm like (laughs) doing a thing or something like that right as though there's some profit for me here uh, to be had. And I right. guess there is. I guess you can make a pretty decent living if you are willing to self-promote yourself in those sorts of ways. But I just don't I don't get it. And I don't know. I don't know. The, right. I, can, I'm thinking in the immediate aftermath, people are looking for some type of validation of what they're feeling. And so if you just let that process go out and then be you can be more effective in your communication. That's down the how road. I feel about everything right right now (laughs) everything you guys have talked about since we started doing this my feeling is hey maybe don't worry about it and it'll go away it'll sort itself out but i mean i I think it is important though to eventually have this kind of uh discussion in the immediate like you know a few weeks later because it's just going to recur basically now that we all agree that this was a race-based da 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 it's going to set the precedent so you do right, want except to correct then the goalposts goal just get moved and they say, well, it might not have been in this one case about this one individual's personal racial animus, but there's certainly no denying right. the fact that white supremacy and, and our racist culture played a role here, right? There's right. no denying that but for the structures of white supremacy that exist in this country and have existed going back to 1619, that this wouldn't have happened the way that it happened. It become, because because it's, it is a totalizing ideology. It doesn't right. matter... The facts on the ground are completely beside the point. Right. Everything falls back under the rubric of, of the ideology eventually. There was another clip I wanted to play, I thought. Let me see if I can figure out what it was. So I don't have the clip, but there was that there is a way that 
these people talk about, and I'm talking about like the politicians here. So there's an Atlanta politician, somebody from outside the city. Real uh, bad accent. A state rep. And she was talking about how it functionally doesn't, basically what she admitted was that it doesn't matter what actually was going on here because so many people feel that this was about an Asian hate crime. And as long now that that feeling has been created in the community, that that's what that's the conversation that we need to have. And it's like we are not even two months remu- removed from the Donald Trump presidency. Like Ron Johnson is still talking about how the election was stolen and Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz and everybody there and Lindsey Graham are all still talking about how, yeah, some of them are saying maybe there wasn't the sorts of overwhelming fraud that Donald Trump was talking about. But there's no denying the fact that tens of millions of Americans in this country don't trust the system. It's like, well, of course they don't trust the fucking system. The president of the United States just got done telling them for the last five years that the whole thing is a sham and the whole thing is a fraud and that their country has been stolen from them. Of course they don't believe that. And if you're going to have this thing, this horrible human tragedy that happens that doesn't have anything to do with white supremacy or anti-Asian personal animus, but then you're going to get from the community this reaction that that says, oh, this might be about anti-Asian uh, bias or racism, and you're gonna, and that that feeling generates almost spontaneously in the community. Like, why the fuck do you think that happened, right? right. Maybe you've created an environment that allows for those that that doesn't just allow for those sorts of feelings, but demands them whenever something happens. Right. That's no way to be in the world. I don't know. I listened to the buffer today. Listened to you guys talk about this and. It's a good thing I wasn't in the room because, I <laughs> guess, <laughs> yeah, because uh, a majority of the group uh, obviously concluded that this is a race-based. It was the hate moment, crime. and this sounds cruel and this sounds mean, but I'm gonna say it anyway. It's the moment that I knew that the buffer was gonna find its fucking audience. It was the <laughs> it was the moment that I knew Pull that quote. someday <laughs> I'd be browsing the internet and a banner ad would pop up and it would say, "Listen to the buffer with fucking Arpin and Abe and all the other dudes," and I I would uh, then have to uh, go buy guns and kill myself, but not others, obviously. Of course, uh, but but like. As soon as the majority take in the room in your podcast was like, oh, well, obviously this is a white supremacist action. This guy is a racist asshole. And how dare you even think otherwise? Because, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a bunch of dead Asians after all. So right. what else could it possibly be? Right. It's like, it's oh, like man. The, the, the simple math, you know, he went out of his way to these locations, even though the reason why is because he frequented these locations. But to the outside person, not, you know, they're like, hey. Plenty of sex-related stuff in Atlanta, mostly black, but he went to the Asian ones. And I like I understand the instinct that that's what you want to do in this moment, but I've, it's just never been what I want out of the world. It's like, right. I just don't <laughs> want this. I don't want that simple answer that just that that confirms everything. That like that's not even their preconceived biases or the, their preconceived notions about the world. That's just. The preconceived notions of the current moment, right? right? It doesn't have anything to do. I mean, to an extent, yes, if if you're an individual who's moved f- through the world, you've had your experiences, right? You've you've been had racisms done to you in the past or whatever. Then maybe you're more likely to want to see the racism happening to others. But but ultimately I just don't I don't know what the fun is 
or, or what the point is in having your worldview confirmed for you over and over again, the, the facts be damned. Right. As long as – my, my, my position is as long as the people are open to down the line when things settle down to accept the findings, you know, like six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, then I can overlook the, uh, you know, jumping the gun in the first couple I of just weeks. don't – it's – but if every single thing that happens to a person of a certain demographic is somehow representative of a systemic and – but, un- un- and and, and a, a mountainous problem that cannot actually be overcome, right? Because if we if we grant white supremacy the sort of power that they want it to have here, where this kid is basically just a puppet of the white supremacist culture going right. about his day, he doesn't have we, – we've removed all of the agency from this kid, right? We've taken the thing that, that you functionally can't even hold him responsible anymore. Right. And that sounds crazy, but like – if this was a result of white supremacy, it w- it's not on him, right? It's, it's not on anything that he chose. Right. But I think the particular event, uh, I mean, the, the particular facts is what caused a lot of people to jump the gun. In this case, you, you don't think this is a wider problem where just people are blind, blindly ascribing motivations when it doesn't fit. Because, you know, right now we're recording Monday night. There's yet, you know, Welcome to America. There's yet another mass killing, uh, this time in Boulder. Uh, early reports show that it was some white schlubby dude, right? You don't think you, you want to gander a guess? I've been tonight. I'm not, on, just... I'm not on Twitter to find out what I've the reaction doing, was. I've been doing some fun algebra problems on yeah. the internet. And right now it's systems of equations where it's like one equation is 2x plus 3y equals 20. And then in the same system is 4x plus 10y equals negative 12. Right. There's a point at which those two graphs meet, mm-hmm. but this isn't that point. Right. Like, both of those things are true. Right. Like, yes, Asian hate crime is right. going up, right. and white supremacy is a thing, right. and also, this guy shot a bunch of people. Right. But the point where he shot a bunch of people isn't on the same line as right. the... Like right, we're in the same system. Right. We're, we're except, in the same world. Except that the woke people who are talking about the white supremacy would say that the it's the graph itself that is white supremacy. That the yeah, X Y axis sure. itself sure. Is, is the problem. Okay, right. but what, that's that, and that's when I, if I were a person who cared, would go, okay, let's move on then, right. because there's nothing we can do about right. that. No amount of getting mad at the conversation is going to make it go away unless you just don't listen to it. Right. There's nothing you can do about someone acting or arguing in bad faith. It'll just be whatever. Like, okay. Just, yeah. Right. But I, I, like, if if the the theory is true that anytime some white guy kills a bunch of people that they they shoehorn in white supremacy, then we should see that in this latest example. I don't. I think because it was just like a random grocery store, that won't happen. But I think it's, okay, and I you promise know. you that it will. This will that I, I will send you three tweets by noon tomorrow <laughs> that have this from blue check from from established not yeah, just from right, random right, right. nine follower Twitter accounts, but from culture makers who ascribe this to white supremacy. Right. So we can we can make that bet tonight. Okay. We can move on from this a little bit. Although I must say the other links that I've put in the show notes aren't too far afield from this conversation, including. Actually, I didn't put this link here, but I'll find it later. And we can call this the, the Who Gives a Shit News segment as we run through a couple of headlines fun, here fun, fun. at the end of the show. Ibram X. Kendi 
is starting a newspaper multimedia thing with the Boston Globe and through his college at Boston University. It's going to be called The Emancipator. And he wants to basically make what he's calling an anti-racist newspaper, an anti-racist media organization that does not... He doesn't want to call it activist journalism. He just thinks that journalism should be in the business of being anti-racist. So that's not activism. That's just simply being an anti-racist. And that all actions and in his formulation all behavior and actions can be understood in one of two ways and it's either anti-racist or it's racist and anything that happens is one of those two things there's nothing that's neutral if it's neutral then it's actually racist oh okay so tie goes to the racist tie goes to the racist and like whatever you you say that's a good name for a podcast (laughs) tie goes to the racist you say that uh well, what's the big deal? This is one asshole in Boston working, yes, with a prestigious uh, university and with a prestigious newspaper. But at the end of the day, it's just one person and one one group of people putting out one publication. What's the big deal? Sounds awfully oh, familiar di- to an argument I made to you. <laughs> what's what's the that? Big, I think I said something similar to you about, ah, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> the reason that I think it's interesting and problematic is that it becomes if the the more rhetorical power you give the sort of totalizing rhetoric of somebody like Ibram X Kendi where you have on one side racists and you have on the other side side anti-racists and everything is understood in terms of that dichotomy then you're going to you're going to find newsrooms at the New York Times and the Washington Post and in every other city in this country and at, at news magazines and all the different cultural making institutions in this country who will have to establish themselves as being on one side or the other. And either if, if we have an anti-racist newspaper coming out of Boston, then why hasn't the Washington Post announced that they too are an anti-racist newspaper and, and all that comes with that? So there, and you might say, well, that's the problem. It's, just, right. it's good to be anti-racist. What are you talking about? But then you're going to have a bunch of people who won't assent to that, right? You will have this and, – and you will have created uh, two factions and it it will not be acceptable to not come down on one side or the other, right? right? Because you're going to have the anti-racists over here and you're going to have the racists over here. And, of course, that won't be the formulation that the racists give themselves. Right, right. These will be the freedom fighters or whatever the fuck. Right. The anti-anti-racists or whatever they want to call themselves. <laughs> I just don't – I don't think it's a good thing Okay. Ultimately. So so the, the reason why I don't – and you know, I could be wrong. I don't think that this is going to be a problem is because, first of all, I, I learn something new. Uh, there's such a thing as opinion journalism, which uh, according to Wikipedia is different than advocacy journalism, which a lot of people are familiar with. Opinion journalism is apparently not big on facts or, you know, it's trying to push some opinion, but under the the guise of journalism. I do have a question on this anti-racism newspaper thing. So would that newspaper report on or cover a story that was not flattering to a particular group, right? So, like, there are stories on the nightly news uh, over the last few days about mayhem in South Beach, uh, spring breakers or whatever. People are just flying to South Beach, acting all kinds of craziness, and, and they have to, like, do curfews. And there have been a few video footages of fights and brawls and people running out on expensive tabs, and a lot of them are black, right? So... The New York Times or NBC News would just cover the story. There was a thing, and 
curfew and blah 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 positivity rate. But like, with would an anti-racist newspaper cover that story at all? Because I would think not, because they're like, oh, we can't trust the reader to to kind of see the big picture, and they're just gonna assume that oh, there goes those young black kids doing bad things. So they're like, they would purposefully avoid talking about certain things because it may come across as being negative towards one race right. or well, one gender or one whatever. In the same way, in the same way that the Daily Caller is going to post a tweet linking to a random article of a crime that happens in some city where some, like the one that I saw today was a guy who stabbed a 12-year-old. And it's like, why is this a story? Wow. And then the, why did and they then you look the at it. Right, but it's because the mugshot is of a black guy. Okay, right, right. but that's so, yeah. So, so, <laughs> so the reason, so, but that, and I think you're right, which is that. So the Daily Caller will always publish the story of the black guy who stabbed the white kid right. in the back, right? Right. But Ibram X Kendi's newspaper is never right. going to to publish a story of the black guy, and the the, the thing happened, right? Like there's. Right. An, it the Daily yeah. Caller didn't make it up that right, this but, guy stabbed but, this guy. Right. But I would imagine that the argument the, an anti-racist newspaper would say is like the selection of the news itself is racist, right? So like why did you right. cover that sure. story and, and not it this story? And it certainly yeah. is trying to push a, a narrative that they think will generate clicks for their website, right? right. Like, But what I'm saying is – It's a huge problem. It, I think that it is a huge problem that the Daily Caller does that. And right. I think it's a huge problem that the Kendi website – would do the same, but in the other way. Right, right. right? But what I, I'm saying, I think the reason are... why I raise that point is to say that the, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, the major publications will never be in a position to where, oh, we're on this team or that team because like, we just got to cover all the news. We can't just like, we can't just pretend something didn't happen because it looks bad, right? We just have to cover. There's a surge in the southern border. There's a this. There, Abe, you know, there was a guy on Biden CNN fell, this summer you know? who said there was a guy on CNN this summer with a city block burning over his shoulder right. talking about the mostly peaceful protests. Right, which is so. <laughs> so it, it's right in front of us. It's happening right, right now that you right. go to one side of the media and you get one story and only that story, and you go to another part of the media to get another story, and you have to somehow synthesize those things together to come to any sort of rational understanding of what's actually happening in the world. Right. It's no longer the case, as it was the case when I was in the seventh grade and I first heard this expressed to me, that you can pick up the New York Times and read it cover to cover two or three times a week, and you'll have a pretty good idea of what going on in the world. I do not think that's actually the case anymore. I don't think that you get a complete picture and a complete understanding right. of the of the competing narratives that are out there in the world right now simply by reading the Post and the Times. And I think that it used to be that way. I think that you could reasonably believe that. You think so? Like you maybe, think that the maybe coverage not in terms changed? of a picture of, of of like American power and American hegemony and foreign policy around the world, right? Right. Probably not that. Right. But in terms of what's actually happening in your own country. I think you used to be able to get a pretty clear picture just by picking up the paper and reading every day. And now you have to be really concerned about which paper it is that you're picking up. And you don't want to pick up the same one over and over again because you're probably not getting the full picture every day. Right. And I will say on the, on the point, uh, just quickly, on the mostly peaceful protests, I always, whenever that's always mentioned, I, I imagine that they're trying to say most of the people were peaceful, but – it wasn't peaceful, but you can't say mostly peaceful just like you can't say in a baseball game it was mostly a perfect game. <laughs> it's it's right. either a perfect game or it's not, right? So, like, you can't just say mostly. It's like a mostly safe airline. Occasionally, it crashes. But I On this exact same – sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. That was it. On the exact same point, 
Sidney Powell, who's been sued by the election company, Dominion, the election machine company, like right? Billions, because she was right? the, Wasn't like some one She point. was the Kraken lady. Yeah. She said, we're going to release the Kraken and we're going to prove that Dominion election systems were purposefully left vulnerable so that the Venezuelans could hack in and steal the election from Donald Trump or any of a various dozens of completely insane claims that she made. She released, in, in her own defense, she asked for that lawsuit against her. So, so Dominion brings a, a libel suit against uh, Sidney Powell for the various insane things that she said. And they, they're suing her for like $1.2 billion or something. They're going after Rudy as well. They, they're going after different uh, Fox News personalities as well, I believe. Right. But S- Sidney Powell, in her own defense, said, and I'll be paraphrasing here because I'm not going to read the entire document. And, I mean, her court filings are notoriously absurd. But let's see if I can get the link to work. She argues that when uh, she accused Dominion of being part of an election rigging scheme with ties to Venezuela, quote, no reasonable person would conclude that those were truly statements of fact. So she's, she's basically saying that nobody should have believed the things that she was saying when she was saying them and that no reasonable person would have thought that. And it's not to compare her directly to Nicole Hannah-Jones, because obviously as much as I don't don't like Nicole Hannah-Jones, I don't think that those are two people who belong in the same playing field. Right. But when Nicole Hannah-Jones was confronted with the factual inaccuracies or the historical liberties they took in the 1619 Project, she insisted that no reasonable person actually thought they were trying to change the date of the American founding from 1776 to 1619, despite the fact that in appearance after appearance and in tweet after tweet and essay after essay, she made explicitly that point, which is that the actual founding of the United States was in 1619, not 1776. So these are two people who are saying, you cannot take me seriously or literally when I say the things that I say. But you have to have a a more complete understanding of the world than just listening to me. I mean, Sidney Powell just doing this for legal. She needs to. It's almost kind of like uh, back in the day when professional wrestling was passing off as real, and then when they went to court, they had to say, "Come on, we're just dicking around here." The you know it's all scripted. She's basically trying to get out of legal liability by saying, I, "It was just all just an act. I was a put on. Nobody would actually believe me." Yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know if she's gonna do like a wink, wink thing. Like if she somehow, if this stupid gambit works, to if she can show her face again in. in conservative circles because a lot of people were buying into the nonsense you know so i don't know she's just calling them unreasonable but she's doing it to get out of legal exposure she has so that's what fox news did last year when tucker carlson was being sued right Right. so fox's lawyers after having having to go to court to try to defend what tucker carlson says on television said uh, whether the court frames Mr. Carlson's statements as exaggeration, non-literal commentary, or simply bloviating for his audience, the conclusion remains the same. The statements are not actionable. And the court ruled in their favor, saying you can't take literally or seriously anything that Tucker Carlson says on television, right? right? This is a terrible environment to be in in the world, right? No matter what side of the truth you fall on, whether you believe them or not— like it seems to me that you cannot function as a society when you are just allowed to go out and say whatever the fuck it is you want to say and then turn around and say, oh, but you can't take me seriously. Right. And also, uh, do, do they make Tucker Carlson 
at the top of his show, read out a statement like I'm full of shit, everything I've said, and continue to say is full of shit. You know, Tucker Carlson's like an opinion show, so maybe that's the argument that they have. It's like, it's not like the hard news shows that they have earlier in the day. This is just opinion. It's just like an editorial. But if you collapse all of the boundaries between news and entertainment and opinion, then you're left with this, right? right? Then you're if if there is lo- no longer any difference, if you're going to have entire colleges dedicated to the study of anti-racism, right. which isn't a field of fucking study, sorry, they they just made it up and gave them millions of dollars. Right. Like right. What are we doing? Right. I mean, I, I don't I don't know why the the courts are uh, are just so uh cavalier about their ah you give them some wide latitude because it's so important you know i guess i don't know first amendment is that is that the the argument that people should have the opportunity to lie or to exaggerate and you shouldn't be holding hold them accountable like what's what's what are we trying to get at by allowing this sort of thing to happen I don't know. Speaking of uh, who gives a shit news, Jack Dorsey sold his NFT of his first tweet for $2.9 million. Wow. The, the one with uh, something Twitter, like and he didn't use any Just vowels. Just setting up my Twitter. More vowel genocide. Go ahead. One of my brothers sold $1,200 in NFT art over the last week, apparently. No kidding. That's... Uh, there's that old thing about how once you hear like the lady at the grocery store or whatever talking about getting into the stock market, it's time to get the fuck out of the stock market. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing here. Yeah. If you hear that one of my brothers sold $1,200 in NFT art, uh, it's time to get out of all of your NFT art positions as quickly <laughs> as possible. <laughs> not to say that he's not talented, not oh. to say that the digital art wasn't great, but that's a bubble that's going to burst. Any day now. We'll ride it until it does. A poll shows that a majority of adults, 61%, experienced undesired weight changes uh, since the pandemic started, with 42% reporting that they gained more weight than they intended. Of those, they gained an average of 29 pounds over the last year. And 10% said they gained more than 50 pounds. You know, this is not that far off. Uh, So I was looking back at uh, my weight when this started, and it was 190 and I, do you keep this? Uh, do you keep a notebook or something? Uh, on the, the phony thing. Tell me, bubble journal. There's like a app. Just okay. Enter the data. Like eight weeks ago, it went up to two fifteen. So that's twenty five pounds. It went up. Do you see? <laughs> did you hear that? It went up. It was a. It was an officer involved shooting. That was a. That that was an Abe involved donut eating. <laughs> And now I'm using the uh, upcoming Petrie Road Race, which will happen in person, nice. to get back down to my 185. You know, but yeah, it's, and when I looked at the numbers, like, oh, that's 25. That sounds like a lot. But I looked at my thing, I'm like, holy shit. So what do you attribute that to? So because I haven't, so not to, I'm not trying to brag here. I did not put on any weight in the last year. My exercise Your life didn't change. Either. Right, my life didn't change very. That's what I'm asking. Is my life functionally didn't change much beyond I don't have to like. People don't have to see me. So to the extent that, like, would I be shamed by being in public where I well, another and 25 pounds heavier? you've always been home around the snacks right. where, like, a lot of people weren't home around the snacks. Right. People were going to gyms. You never went to the gym. You worked out at home. Right. Right. So basically, that's – I'm a very uh, habitual person. And so my whole thing was when I would leave work on the way I would go to the gym and then go home. But I was just at home all the time, and I'm like, I'm not going to drive to the gym. That's not how I used to do it. And so I would <laughs> – it was basically as simple it as that. It went up. And then it just slowly went up. It was kind of a, you know, 
creeping up. And then I was like, oh, look at me. Something wrong with my belt. Did your, so is it just a lack of exercise or did your eating habits also uh, change I, in the last year? You know, year? that's the other thing. I think I started Drinking. eating out, uh, counterintuitively. I started eating out more. Like, like ordering ordering well, food in or whatever? Or just doing takeout, you know, just picking up something. Which I yeah. never did. Supporting local business. Yeah, that's what it was. But it went up. <laughs> just a lot of things. So now I'm back to just my normal schedule, how it used to be. I mean, I still don't go. I'm going to probably start going to the gym after I get my a vaccine. A lot of people stress eat too. I don't. I stress starve myself when I'm nervous. I don't eat and it's not good. Right. My, my, I, would, I mean, I haven't tested this, but my stress level has not changed. But I just. Yeah, my, but a lot yeah. of. Bob's not right. just talking right. that, about that, you. That's it's true. The yeah. People I, in the thing. I bet like you. Like a lot right. of people, it's the extra eating and extra drinking coupled with not exercising. And a lot of people lost their job for at least a little while, you know, so they're just at home. Right. Get a little yeah, but that only, to me, yeah. if you lose your job, yeah. that's an excuse to start exercising. Right. Because I would exercise a lot more if I didn't work so much. Okay. I seem like to. I, I don't understand someone who doesn't have a job not having, unless because they have a bunch of kids. It, it's kind of like but this like, weird like momentum thing. Like, you know, when they say like, if you oh, want something done, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Like the more you do, the more yes. you do, the, le- the less yes. you do, the le- you're just like, I just don't want to do anything, you know? And then, I get it. It's just the day the salon shut down. Yeah. It's like, cool, I can run every day well, now. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because more- I'm going to get in shape. And then you know what happened? I pulled a muscle in my leg, lifting the dishwasher up with my foot. <laughs> and last item in the WGAS news bag here is real quick Alexi McCammond won't be the next editor of Teen Vogue. Oh, no. Which, yes, this is a non-story, largely, right? Like, who she, fucking cares? By the way, is it, is it typical of somebody that young is the editor in chief? She was like 27 or something. These kids. Right, she's young. She's never been a boss before. She's never been an editor before. She had no previous experience that like a would reporter. qualify you. Right, she was like a regular reporter, and she was, and, and I, I've told you this before, I'm ashamed that I know this much about these people, but she, the the deputy. Or what do you mean? What do you what do you mean? These people, eh? Teen women. Was that racist? No, reporters. You know, reporters. So, because there was a story like a couple of months ago when the Biden team got on board, that someone in the in the press shop uh, was going out with this woman, and she was covering the white. Like there was some sort of like, wait, you can't do that. This is not the West Wing, right? Uh, and. So she, I guess she got this other gig, but then he got he gets fired for something stupid he says, and then now she got shit canned for something she did like ten years ago or uh, the Asian stuff. Yeah, right. Something she tweeted when she was a teenager ten years ago, and the Halloween costume didn't help. Yeah, but she was yeah. no more or less uh, racist yeah, than me just asking you if you saying these people is racist, right? right. So like that's <laughs> the, the level of dumb here. So there, there, as far as I can tell, there were three tweets at issue. One of them, she tweeted outdone by Asian hashtag what's new. So she, that seems to be talking about how Asian folks overachieve right. and she is accustomed to being outdone by overachieving Asian folks. In another tweet, she wrote, now Googling how to not wake up with swollen Asian eyes, dot, dot, dot. Not good. Which, like, not great. Right. Right? I guess. But if you're a... Not even a good tweet, though. 17-year-old girl who says that, who fucking cares? 
And then lastly, she said something in a tweet about a stupid Asian teaching assistant. That was a uh, thanks a lot, stupid Asian TA. You're great. Uh, that was because she got a bad grade on a chemistry problem, and that was enough. But a lot allegedly. of that stuff, a lot of the stuff was kind of baked in because they were generally aware of most of them. But wasn't it the the, the Halloween costume that was uh, in poor taste that put her over the top of getting fired or having to resign? There was like, by the way, the in poor taste is just that she dressed up as a Native American right. princess or something. Right. It's, she didn't put on like she's a black girl. She didn't like wear brown face or whatever right. to do it. She she didn't like run around with no pants on, hooting and hollering like she was doing a... She may have. You don't know. Yeah, I don't know that. But, you know, and I think the story goes, I mean, after she resigned, one of the people that were, uh, that were that was part of her getting pushed out also got into similar trouble, right? Because they also posted something in poor taste. It seems like all of, everyone has something from the recent past or 10 years ago that is going to cause you to get fired. Why don't they have, like, a social media amnesty day, like, you know, a year from now, just, you know, for misdemeanor level offenses, like I wore a the costume. Purge, the purge for bad tweets? Yeah. yeah. And then from but going every forward. every day could be a day that you go through all your social media and delete the bad ones. Right. Like, you, we all could be doing that. Right, but I would imagine there's uh, ways around it, right? Isn't it that way back thing, Bob? The... Right. People find the bad tweets. People find the bad things sure. that you said. And a much better thing to do is to understand that actually her tweets don't exist on some sort of continuum that starts with swollen Asian eyes and ends with a bunch of massage parlor women being shot up. Right. right? Like there's, there's not actually <laughs> any material harm done to anyone by some 17-year-old idiot tweeting bad things a decade ago, right? Right. It, and it's important to say, actually, that does no harm, right? That, that while it's bad and, and it's inadvisable, right. it doesn't actually do any harm. And to say that it does, to insist that somehow this is something that's doing real harm in the world, is to tell a lie about what's happening in the world. Right. And also, it seems like these uh, social media posts kind of live on this, like, flat time continuum where it's just sitting there waiting for some event yeah. that you can... Twitter is a flat circle. <laughs> that's right. Because you're basically can just you sitting there while something horrible happens, and then they'll pair that with, oh, a bunch of uh, Native Americans got uh, mm -hmm. massacred. Didn't you say something about the Redskins that one time? Like, okay, you're not fired. It's like, wait, can what? Can you do me a big favor and play the clip from Cable Guy where the guy says, I think they were Asian? Because it's the only way my brain says the word now. Hi, I'm Tabitha Soren with MTV News. Today in the Sam Sweet case, the prosecution played the 911 call that Sam Sweet made the night he murdered his brother. Keep in mind, Mr. Sweet confessed one month later. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. My kid brother's been shot. I think it was an Asian gang or something. I saw someone. He looked Asian. And he was speaking another language. I'm pretty sure it was Asian. <laughs> Well, I I totally I totally forgot about that scene. <laughs> Gotta watch it's that movie like again. The only way my brain hears the word Asian is in that voice. 
You've been listening. No, because we because we have to talk about the, the That's show. That's what. We, all right. I don't know if you've noticed. We have a system in place. We do the show. There are segments, sort of. I yell and scream about something. We try to do another segment. Maybe we'll do something fun like whack shit or wacky shit. Or Abe goes to philosophy class and we talk about the news. And then I say, "You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe." You can find the show on Facebook or Twitter or head over to the website at brainiron.com for a show note and maybe eventually some other stuff. And then There's a long off we ramp. discuss what we've been watching this week. Because <laughs> for one thing, it's funny to me that I say I, I go into the show wrap up, which should immediately go straight to like the credits right. and the silly things where I make Abe say funny stuff at the end of the show <laughs> and I play the loud rock music like that should happen within like 30 seconds of me saying you've been listening right. but instead I like to punish people and by people I mean like Andrew and your mother because those are the people that I know are listening and I, I draw it out in conversation for another 10 or 15 minutes so the opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig what did we watch this weekend? We watched, uh, oh yeah, The Investigation on HBO. What did you guys uh, think? I liked it. I liked a lot. It's isn't a new strategy for me. The subtitles mean that Bob can't look at his phone while it's on. You know. Because he won't know what's happening. <laughs> I, I it, never... It's not the subtitles that do that. It's the foreign language. Yeah. But Right. So this is this is a bogus complaint. Because I if we're watching something that matters or that I'm expected to pay attention to? Everything matters. I don't look at my phone. If you make me watch fucking 24, yeah. No, 24 I'm is gonna one that, no, I'm going to play with my phone no, no, the whole no, no, time no, no. just we like can, you do. You no. don't even pay attention to 24 no, when 24 is No, that's what 24 is, is for. Yeah. I, all I, know, I have to look up to see where in the hour we are because obviously that's yeah. the important part. No, no. I, no that's fine. You have to know. Uh, no, and you I'm have to play the game where you guess what the... I'm talking about literally anything else. What time it's going to come anyway, back. Anyway, it was really good. I just don't I want the impression it. going out there that I'm like fiddling on my phone the whole time that we're watching these things You're that I then fiddling on your that phone I then complain the about time. later. It's just that it is something I like is that you can't. Anyway, the investigation was fine. I so and I know you've got your complaints. I'll briefly go into mine, yeah. which is that the justice the, system in that country? Is that what what's you have wrong a problem? With the justice system in that country? <laughs> we'll get to you in a minute, Abe. <laughs> I'm looking at my uh, at my line here, and it's clear that I have given you at least like two different 30 second chunks to talk tonight. <laughs> what more do you want? <laughs> I'm gonna give you That's another so chance. Uh, anyway, at the uh, the worst part about the show, which is fine, it's a fine show. Um, the language barrier. Why do you start with the worst part? Because like it's not a, it's not an exceptional show. I don't. It's not like I'm going to tell everybody. Need to be. If it's not exceptional, talk about what you like. And I'll get there eventually. But <laughs> what I, what was weird to me what about a horrible it. Horrible way to go about their life. No, I'm, I'm just talking about the thing that stood out to me at the end, which is that especially in that last episode, which is called basically it's called Beyond a Reasonable Doubt. Right. Uh, if you translate it into English, it basically means Beyond a Reasonable Doubt, and it was weird because it that last episode especially played like a public service announcement about how the Denmark prison system and judicial system works. And it, it played like a civics lesson to a bunch of seventh graders. Right. But you can't show this fucking show to a bunch of seventh graders. <laughs> I the, didn't find it patronizing at all. Oh, it was weird because anybody who knows anything about the way the justice system works in their own country wouldn't need 
all of the explainers that they did back and forth about like how are we going to prove this in court well you know we need to get it beyond a reasonable doubt or else it won't stick like that seemed like really weirdly uh childish Just to like me the, the way they position of that. like this has to be you know i mean it'd be like watching an episode of law and order svu where it was like a horrible child rape and murder and at the end and like in minute 42 of the episode they started explaining to you uh, the basics of how Miranda rights work, as right. though, <laughs> as though you've never before understood uh, anything about the police system in this country. Right. But for some reason, you're also a grown ass adult who's capable of watching these sorts of uh, violent things. That was a little weird. Also, it was a very slow show. I know it was sort of the point was to focus on the procedure and all of that, but it continually felt like, oh, maybe something exciting is going to happen. Right. And then, like, the last two hours of this six-hour runtime were just, like, slow denouement where nothing really happens. The, the, the search for the body and then trying to, like, oh, the stupid dog can't smell for shit. Like, oh, it can. It's just the wind and the this and the... It's like it took... They spent, like, <laughs> right. it's not, 40... not at all exciting. It's <laughs> like, wow, they're really milking the story. I like, get to the point. liked it. No, that, I mean, that, that was fine. That was fine. Nobody was, gets to so tell was... me that I need... It, it fast, exciting shows all the time. It was well I done. I clearly like things that are slow. It was well done. It was exciting. The mood was, like, the mood of it was perfect. It was a good experience of a show. The acting was very good. I got mad this morning knowing how too much science there is in current science. Like, I'm mad <laughs> at that character. I don't know character. what sentence that was. There's well, too the much science? Well, the guy who's the current scientist? Yeah. It's like, oh, the fat goes this way right. and the acid goes this way. It's like, you know too much about right, that. Yeah. <laughs> there shouldn't be people who know that. This is the same as your old take that the stars might be cold and that it's bullshit and arrogant for people to assume that stars are hot. It's like, nobody's assuming that. They're doing actual science. They figured it this out. This isn't the same thing as that. It I'm is. saying that that's knowing too much. It's the opposite of that. Right. They, 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 what didn't you like about the show, Abe? You have your complaints. So the show is great. I'm talking about because this is based on a true life crime thing, right? That the all of the different opportunities they afforded the suspect with changing their story. I was like, there's no way in real life this is a thing. And I and I believe Bob, you mentioned one day like you took some stupid class once. And how this is actually not a bad system. It is an atrocious system that you're allowed to just say, did I say that I never met they her? They do that here, just not officially. No, they, I mean, if you make a statement about something, right, they don't. They can, they can, right, if you make an official statement to the police, they mm. can then bring up in court, well, you said this thing. Right. And uh, this is clearly bullshit and you're a liar. So, but the difference is that apparently... Over here, they were able. He makes one statement, and then the cops go out and they do everything they can to disprove it. And once they disprove it, he's allowed to just make some other entirely different right. statement. And it's not and, even close to what and, the original statement. I feel like a modification, like a recollect. Oh, did I say that? I meant the other thing. And it's like, right. And so, if it wasn't for, I mean, again, I don't know how true they they kept to the actual facts, but like, if it weren't for that lady saying like, "Fuck this, we're gonna get this guy," and she found an inconsistency then which was also like that so the other thing i didn't like is that that was like wildly obvious and it only it only served to like give her redemption for the bogus mistake that she had made two episodes earlier right, right. and like that was an obvious like we're gonna stick some narrative in here that didn't actually happen right right, right. because the uh, spoilers but 
the guy said that the victim got sealed in a submarine and he couldn't get to her for hours, but the autopsy revealed that she'd been stabbed either as she was dying or immediately after she died. Right. And so his story about how he couldn't even access the body for a few hours and he only stabbed her to try to like drain the blood right. <laughs> to make it <laughs> no. easier yeah. for her, for him to lift her out of the sub. And then he had to chop off her arms and legs and head to make it easier to get her out of the sub. They weigh a lot. By the way, that, that, that explanation is from another HBO show like that, uh, that Fred Durst or that, that old guy. Oh yeah. He kill he explaining away why he chopped them up is because I mean for him I guess it kind of makes sense. Body parts are heavy. Yeah, it's like hey, come on, buddy. I, you know nobody. Have you would... ever had a leg on you? Legs are heavy. Yeah. <laughs> People are heavy. Have you uh, got anything else for us tonight? Oh, I uh, I do actually, Bob. Did you know? Uh, and this is also true. Everything we say here at the end is true. That there exists out there a jellyfish-like creature with a disappearing butt. Right. So. <laughs> The way this works is uh, when when nature calls, uh, the butt appears in order to you know facilitate the defecation. Uh, but as soon as the task is complete, poof goes the butt. I guess that's all we've got for tonight. Then, and we will talk to you next time. Later. Tell that sort of thing, like you'll show. No, I have the same twenty-two followers that I've had on oh, that okay. account forever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not even like a bot follow. Like I, so, yeah, the only bot follows that I get, I just delete immediately because I know that they're bot follows. But yeah, okay. so sometimes I get a bot. I'm like, ooh, a new follower, and I click on it, and it's like fucking cam slut from Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> Wants to share nude pics with you. It's like, no, not you. (laughs) You're not even local. Uh, Norway, who was trying to start a race war between Islam and the West. He's just some fucking moron, 21-year-old. Okay. reading anything else what are you reading you finished the stupid I, vietnam book it's a, it was a pretty good book how dare you i am now uh yeah i'm done with that and uh I, a lot of the books that i want to read are not available at my fulton county library with their bullshit rules so i'm reading this uh book that is available i think it's like a seventh grade book so i'm going back to that uh it's like bridge to somewhere um like 200 page book bridge to somewhere bridge Carabithia. yes something yeah there you go that's a children's book, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Try to mix it up. I don't think I've ever read The Bridge to Terror. Because we weren't children when it was written. It's like it, young adults. It's an available book. It's like a romance, isn't it? Abe, are you reading like <laughs> teen romance? Oh, I'm not above that sort of thing. I didn't know it just was available to library. Does it make you feel weird? No. I mean, Bridge I haven't read it, the whole is thing a work yet. of children's literature about two lonely children who create a magical forest kingdom <laughs> in their imagination. It sounds inappropriate for an adult to be I'll, reading, uh, I'll follow up next week. <laughs> appropriate. Yeah. From jail. <laughs> uh, I'll blame the library. Uh. I mean, I know you would 
you're big on let's do it the right way, but like, oh, perhaps uh, my butt. Yeah, or it's like, oh, perhaps uh, my butt, uh, you know, and things like that in, in, in the lawsuit. <laughs> It's a whole thing, but perhaps my butt. Perhaps my butt. You too. you recorded that into the. Are you gonna send that to me oh, tonight? Oh no, I'm still recording. Oh my butt. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> like, oh, perhaps uh, my butt.